Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. We were, uh, had two things going within our, our life. One, looking for a church family that um, had a, a larger children's ministry. Our current uh, church family was quite small, and while it was vibrant, there weren't as many offerings for two young men. Um, so we were aware that Tree had a very active youth ministry already at that time. Um, the other thing, our business was growing. My wife, being one of the key leaders for our business, um, was struggling from time to time with some of the challenges that growth creates. And certainly we were aware as Pastor Karen was the, the lead pastor, we were drawn in part for that, just knowing that she would, had gone through similar challenge, or, pardon me, challenges. Um, so when we first attended, of course, we were just drawn to the excitement which she brought to the word and the excitement of the entire church family. Well, we decided to come to Tree after we had visited because we, our boys that were young at the time came out and said that was a fun church. And we just thought that was great. And the next Sunday, they were asking if they were going to get to go back to the fun church. And we knew we wanted our boys to be plugged in and be godly young men and grow up to be godly grown-up men. And we're very excited they have become very active in their church um, and this church. And it's been fun to watch them grow and be godly men. At that time, I was going through or finalizing a divorce, and so a very painful time for me. So there was a certain level of being guided by the family. I didn't feel equipped to make decisions. So I just followed where everyone else was attending. They were so enthusiastic. I knew that I needed to be somewhere better for my children than where I was. And kind of the same situation that my children, when they were able to come with me in that custody situation, they were so impressed with what was going on at Tree of Well. They were happy, they were comfortable. I felt welcomed and supported in a way that I really needed at that particular time. So I don't want to say that we were a package deal, but for myself, I did kind of float along with the rest of the family to get here in the first place. But once I was here, nothing could have pried me loose. As I got old enough to, to drive myself, Tree was really where I chose to, to come to on a regular basis. I found a family there, um, and that's kind of how my family got started. Um, Chad started coming to, to church um, with me, and that's kind of what, what sealed the deal for us. You know, I'd got to meet a lot of the volunteers and different things, and it was kind of a great time. And then when I met my wife, um, and she had let me know that, you know, she came to Tree, and um, decided to come with her and, you know, really got involved and, uh, you know, it was a great place. There's lots of friendships, just lots of people. It was, it was family. You know, from there we, we started our little family, which then we reached out to our parents, you know, my mom and dad, and all of a sudden they, they started joining with us and coming and it just kind of our family is part of the whole family here at Tree. Chad had been coming for a little while to the church, and he kept saying, Mom, Mom, you really love it here. You should come. And I'm like, well, Chad, okay, I'll come sometimes, but I do have, we lived like 45 minutes away, and we went to another church. Um, and so I had a church I was going to, but I came because my kid was coming. So I came, and then, of course, everybody here was just wonderful. 
I mean, the women here, the hugs, the people remembered my name. I just felt so welcomed, and I just started coming every Sunday. I just loved it. I just, Tree was just been wonderful for me. So I guess my first memory of Tree was in the, when I was in first grade, small. You know, just all the kids, everyone was happy to be there. Everyone seemed happy. There was plenty of people to greet you. And, you know, it just made you feel welcomed and loved. Now that I'm starting a family with my fiance, Kristen, and we hope to create our family here at Tree. I'm Robin and I serve in the kitchen. I'm Kristen and I served in Remnant. I'm Alex, I served in the youth and for the Nehemiah plan. I'm James, I serve as a trustee and also First Contact Ministry. I'm Marlisa and I serve with the Sign Language Ministry. I'm Rebecca and I serve in the Children's Ministry. I'm Chad, I serve in the Usher Ministry. I'm Tammy and I serve in the Children's Ministry. I am Omi and I hug and love my family. What a wonderful story. So many great stories. Tell us your story. Go online. Let us know. I appreciate the family. I don't know if you know all the connections there, but uh, James and Robin started coming, bringing their boys, and they brought his parents. And then uh, his sister, Marlisa, Rebecca's her daughter, and then Chad came, brought his mom and dad. And I love that. That's what it's about. Amen? That's what families are about. And then at the end, how powerful was it for all of them to mention everywhere that they serve? They're plugged in and serving and helping share that love and experiences that bless their family with everybody else they come in contact with. And really, that's what it's about. So we appreciate them and others. Why don't we give them one more shout out for love, for sharing the story. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love that. Speaking of family, I know that either kids are back in school or fixing to be back in school, right? Fixing, as we say in Texas. And so, uh, you know, what we want to do is we want to take a moment and pray for all those that serve and labor in, you know, really some of the darkest, maybe some of the darkest places, toughest places. But I'll say this, one of the most important places, and that's uh, something that touches our next generations, amen? So we want to pray for those who are serving uh, any of the school districts, you're serving in any capacity, maybe you're a front line with the kids, maybe you're in a supportive type role. If you serve in one of our school districts, private, public, whatever that looks like, uh, would you please stand to your feet this morning? Would I just acknowledge you and recognize you? Thank you, thank you. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. Stay standing, stay standing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Stay standing, stay standing. Stay standing, come on. All right, stay standing. Now, in... It is a big deal what goes on in our school districts, and especially in the world that we change, uh, the changing world today. I, I remember when I was in school, it, was, it seemed a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more organized. I remember getting licks in school, right? Raise your hand. I won't be the only one up here. Okay, yeah, okay. Really, I want to talk to you afterwards. Why? Why would you get licks? I don't know. It's fine. I don't know. Uh, so it's changed a lot. It really has. And so we just need to be really diligent in our prayers. Amen. And we need to especially be lifting up not only our kids and our students, but those people that serve in any capacity for our school district to be that light, amen, in that place. And so uh, as a family, we're going to do this a little different. I've, in times past, I've called everybody up front. But if you're sitting around one of these that are standing, let's all just reach your hands forth, maybe lay hands on them. Let's all join our faith together as family, amen, collectively, and faith and in support of the opportunity that they have to be a light in our school districts and with our kids and helping impact and influence the next generations. Father, we thank you for the call of God on the lives of all these, Lord, that are serving in any capacity with our kids. We thank you, Father God, that you have placed them strategically on purpose, Father God,
God with a plan for them to be a light in that area. I know, Father God, things are changing. In fact, it's probably becoming a little bit more difficult to be that, but I thank you, Father God, that you will help them find a way. You'll make a way where there seems to be no way. That the light, life, and love, and power of God in them will shine forth and will be a beacon, Father God, in a, in a place that needs the light of God. <clears throat> and even though this world's changing constantly, faster than ever before, whether it be through policies, through schools, or legislation, Father God, I thank you, Father, that it doesn't diminish the light in them that they have greater opportunity. I pray for the anointing in their life, Father God, to be evident where kids, people, teachers, parents are drawn to them so they can share the only answer, the only hope for this world. May they impact, Father God, through their role and opportunity, uh, a generation of, of world changers, Father God, that they are not influenced by their environment, but they are influencers of their environment. We thank you for them, Father God. We ask you to keep them safe, protect them, Lord, as they continue to glorify and honor you in all they say and do. We pray this in faith with great expectation in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. One more time, thank you guys for your service. That's awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> what a great thing to do is to help impact our next generation. Amen. And so we appreciate parents, you students, uh, be a light. Be a light. Let the Holy Spirit that powers you uh, come out and help you be that light in the darkness that we live in. All right, I got one more announcement for you, but you can go ahead and turn to Matthew 16 while you're doing that. I want to make this announcement one more time. We try and do something three weeks because we know, uh, uh, interestingly enough, that in today's world, the average church attender comes once every three weeks. I think that's kind of, uh, I wouldn't call that average, but anyways, nonetheless, it's what it is. And so that means we need to sometimes announce something three weeks. So as you came on campus, you saw the signs for no backpacks and no bags of that sort. And the reason why is obvious. We're trying to create safe environments. Now, having said that, we don't live and operate in the spirit of fear. But that doesn't mean that we don't operate wisely, amen? In fact, if, you, if you're just not operating in the natural safely, then you're foolish, the Bible says. And so we're praying always for protection and safety roundabout here, but we also know that there's an expectation not only to do what we know to do spiritually, God expects us to do what we know to do naturally. In fact, when both those come together, it creates the best possible environment for freedom, for people to enter in freely and just in, in, engage with God. And so help us do that. We all agree that's a good, a good rule around here. Um, as you come to church, maybe you can find another way if you have to carry that much stuff. Obviously, we honor moms, moms, and you, you're managing and wrangling kids and stuff. If that's your means of doing that, then by all means, that's okay. But we just, everybody else help keep that uh, in line there so we can create the safest, best possible freeing environment for all of us to engage God. Amen? All right, so you are at Matthew 16. Probably can quote this uh, scripture here. It is our foundational scripture. It's every church's foundational scripture, I believe, because it's the establishment of the church. Let me say it this way. It's the establishment of his church. Amen? And honestly, there's a difference. And today we see mankind of putting their own twist on what God created and builds. Let's take a look at it in the Amplified, Matthew 16, 18. And tell you, you are, and this is a discussion. Hold on. This is a discussion. Jesus is asking some of his disciples, who do men say that I am? Then he asks Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the redeemer. You are the savior. You are the rescuer. And then Jesus says that on that revelation of who I am, here's his response to this. I tell you that you are Peter, Greek meaning Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, the revelation that he is Jesus is the son of God, Greek Petra, a huge rock, a solid foundation like Gibraltar. I will, Jesus says, I will build my church. It's very apparent, very clear that Jesus is building his church. It's his <clears throat> and he's building on the revelation of who he is. 
and the mission that he came to the earth. That's what we take away from that passage of scripture. So this is God's church. It is not the Duncan's church. It is not Tree of Life Church Incorporated uh, Church. It is not man's church. This is God's church, amen? And we are built on the solid foundation that Jesus is the son of the living God and we are on mission because it's his church doing his will in the earth, amen? And so we've been in a series talking about as we celebrate 35 years, we kind of close it out this weekend, celebrate 35 years of being a church, a tree of life to lost and hurting world. And I've kind of been tag teaming with my dad, the founding pastor, a series he did in 1995, where he shared his heart and vision for this church. He he went home, he graduated to heaven in 96, but I really felt led to bring that series out and and share that with you uh, during the course of this month so you can see, experience, know the heart of this church. The vision comes from God, you need to hear that. It's not man's church. Man changes based on circumstances, wants, desires, pressures, stresses. But God's plan and purpose change no matter, they never change. They don't change for anything, right? He sees everything from beginning to end. He changes not. His vision and heart for this church is the same. Now, as a different leader than my father and a different time, three and a half decades later, I will get to the same place a little differently but with the same heart and same vision. Does that make sense? Okay, so we wanna make sure that we are hearing the heart of the founder, I I want us to hear that, and then understand what our mission is and who we are and why we exist. Today's message is called People Reaching People. So the series is about the measure of a great church and we're talking about how God measures greatness, not how man measures greatness, but God measures greatness by you and I doing what he's called us to do, rise up to our place. So the first week we talked about people, the people of uh, purpose, and our purpose is to be disciples, not just Christians, (laughs) but people doing the things that Jesus did. And so the second week we talked about, or two weeks, or one week ago, last week, we talked about people of prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. We gotta keep our lamp full, and our light and our lamp drives out darkness, always overcomes darkness. This week, we are people reaching people. I'm really excited about this message because I think it's the core of who we are. In fact, you can turn to John 3 for me. John 3 is a story of Jesus talking to a man named Nicodemus, and in this story, we see, let me set it up for you, because I want you to be looking for some things in there. We see why we exist as a church. We see why we are on the busiest stretch of highway in the state of Texas. We see why we have 54 acres, wonderful buildings, facilities. We see why we plan, why we pray, why we work, why we build buildings like our children's building, why we have programs, why we have ministries, why we give tithes and offerings, why we serve. Uh, We see, in fact, what drives this church, what drives our budget, what drives our staff, what drives our planning is all found here in John 3. So this is Jesus speaking to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. We can look in verse one. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. He was a teacher of the law. He was held in very high esteem. He was a very wealthy man. And the scripture in just a moment will say that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council, which means that he was uh, a group of people, one of the group of Jewish people that were negotiating or would negotiate with Rome. So he had a very prestigious and important position. And Jesus has an exchange with them. Starting in John 3, verse 1, it says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, very interesting to note because of his prestige and his place in society, he came to visit Jesus at night where nobody else could see him. But he had an important question for him. So he came to him at night and said, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with you. We see what you're doing outwardly. Jesus replied, 
not even addressing the statement that he made, but the question that Nicodemus was gonna pose, Jesus already knew, so we went ahead and answered the question. He said this, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now look at this, no one, say no one. No one, and that means absolutely positively no one. Is there any room for maybe sorta, can we get somebody else in there? Absolutely not. But what about people that live their life doing good things? I mean, after all, they're good people and and they help people and and they're really kind and sincere and they're really... What about people that, you know, sometimes life has just dealt them a bad hand and no fault of their own and it seems like nothing goes well for them and and it's tragedy after tragedy and, and certainly God would have mercy around pity on someone whose life is hell already. The Bible says no one goes to heaven without a experience of being born again. That's important for you and I to know because if it requires, and it does, a born again experience for people to get in the kingdom of God, then what do you think the mission of Jesus' church is? To create environments and opportunities for people to have a born again experience. And let's study this out a little further. It'll help bring a little bit more clarity. Let's look on verse four. It says this in verse four. How can someone be born? Now here's Nicodemus's response and maybe he's being a little silly. Maybe he's being a little angry, maybe a little sarcastic. But he says, how can someone be born when they're old? Like how can I be born again, born a second time? Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born, exclamation point. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the spirit. So to bring clarity, Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom unless they've been born on the earth. (laughs) There's one of the first qualifiers. You have to be a living, breathing person in a sense. And someone's born on the earth. Born of water means born on the earth. And and it might go back to something like when a woman's giving birth, her water breaks. I've heard that used in association with this. So being born on the earth, and then it says, and being born of the spirit and the spirit. So to clarify it further, Jesus keeps talking. He says this, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. People give birth to people, animals give birth to animals, birds give birth to birds, fish give birth to fish, but the spirit gives birth to that which is of the spirit. So what Jesus is saying, anyone who wants to get into the kingdom of God has to have a born again experience or a spiritual rebirth. Are you with me? So let's say it this way. No one gets to heaven without a spiritual rebirth. Come on, is that clear to you? Okay, it's right here in the scripture. No one gets to heaven without being born again of the spirit. Old things are being passed away. All things become new, a new nature. God's nature, amen? A new spirit man recreated in the image of Christ. So Jesus is making it very clear that the mission of his church that he is building based on the foundation of him being the redeemer, the restorer, is focused or should be focused in moving forward with helping people experience a spiritual rebirth. Come on church, it's right there. You're reading the same Bible I'm reading. That is the mission of the church. We are to be about, as disciples, we are to be about creating environments for spiritual rebirth for people. Our prayers should be focused on creating environments and things that will create experiences of rebirth spiritually for people. It is our mission. 
And as long as we are on mission, back to, I don't think I even read it, Matthew 16, 18, all the way through, but in the Amplified, but as long as we are on mission, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us or hold out against us or operate to our detriment. Why? Because we are doing what Jesus wants to be done, people spiritually having a rebirth. So as long as that's our focus and as long as that's our primary purpose and mission, engaging people in a way that we can help them find spiritual rebirth, Nothing in hell can stop us, hold out against us. I mean, that's what he's saying right here. This is what we're to be about. This is why we do what we do. Every person in order to have a relationship with God has to have a spiritual rebirth or born again experience. There are no exceptions, none. And it says you must be born again, it's the only way. So if Jesus made it very clear and he said it, then we need to believe it. If he is the son of God and he is, If he came to speak on behalf of the Father, and he did, and if he's telling the truth, and it's the only thing he can tell is the truth, then we need to believe it and be about it. Now, I know that programs and activities and ministries and all those things are important. They are extremely important, but but they're not the most important thing. Classes and activities are not the most important thing. The most important thing is giving people an opportunity for spiritual rebirth. Okay, and so we have great programs and great activities and great practices, but listen, if it becomes greater than our primary purpose, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Then we need to make sure we're doing everything in line with giving people an opportunity for a spiritual rebirth or to be born again. And this year we've been doing that. <clears throat> and we're gonna continue to do that. We've been doing it for 35 years, but we're evaluating everything we do through John 3. In fact, some of the changes we've made this year, let me give you a few examples. When we came to Easter, we, uh, in the last nine years, we've had an egg hunt. I love the egg hunt. We have three to 4,000 people come out to the egg hunt. We have 350 volunteers make it happen. We put a lot of promotion into it. We take a lot of energy. We spend a lot of money on it. It's an egg hunt. It's great. I love it. It's fun. But the egg hunt, in my estimation, had become something that overshadowed Easter Sunday morning, our primary mission and purpose to give people an opportunity for spiritual rebirth. So... To, the, not, to, to some people that weren't so happy, I canceled the egg hunt and focused all our energies, resources, time, and effort into our primary purpose, and we had over 2,700 people come to church Easter Sunday, amen? <clears throat> and more importantly, we had almost 100 salvations on this campus. We had almost 100 people experience a spiritual rebirth, born-again experience. Egg hunt's not bad, it's not bad, but I think we need to just get some things in order. Let me give you another example. So in the summer, our VBS program, we had been doing VBS for probably 35 years, probably as long as the church was in existence, we are doing VBS. We were doing it the traditional format. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying for us, we needed to make a change, an evaluation of what we were doing. And so we changed it into a Sunday, Wednesday format, but we, we expressed the same excitement and, and the same energy during that week, those weekend and, and Wednesday services we just did away with uh, Monday through Thursday or whatever it is, traditional VBS, and, and it wasn't it very well received for some people, and that's okay, but understand the result is that not, we had 43 kids receive Jesus and have a spiritual rebirth during our services, but we had 35 families visit for the first time because of it. 35 families in service. Listen, that's not 35 families dropping their kids off, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Don't, don't hear that in there. But I'm saying now we had a shot and having the family be in a service in an environment that they themselves then could experience a spiritual rebirth. 
So 43 kids, but we don't know how many of those uh, people that got saved those weekends, we don't know how many of them were parents of or family members of the kids. In fact, let me say it this way. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you get a child saved, you have a 12% chance of reaching the whole family. If you get a dad saved, you have a 93% chance of reaching the whole family. So we made some adjustments. My point, what's your point? My point is simply John 3. It's simply John 3. It's why we exist. It is the mission that Jesus clearly established. And we'll see it even more as we go on with the message this morning. But I want us to understand, we've made some changes. We're gonna continue to make changes because we're valuing everything to keep in line. Those aren't bad things. Those are great things. I love those things. But sometimes we gotta make an adjustment. Why? So we can be on mission. Because if those things overshadow the primary purpose, then we've gotten off course. They are there to support They are tools to help support our primary purpose, and that is to give people, create environments to give people an opportunity to have a spiritual rebirth. And that's what we're here for. We need to understand that. Again, they're not bad things, they're just not the primary thing. Certainly, uh, the, the, the primary doesn't serve those things, they serve the primary. And we need to keep those things in mind. You know, everything that we do, I I believe, are, are, are great and wonderful, but we have to make sure eternity is attached to it all. Because time is short, and every day people die and go to hell. And we need to be found doing the work of the Lord as he desires his church to do. And so we're looking at those things. And so we're here, you're here, I'm here to help people, other people see and understand the only way to heaven is through Jesus. Amen? You must be born again. Revelation 20 says this. A little different look at it, it says this, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on, the, on it, the earth and heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for him. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened, books being plural. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, so there's more than one. The dead were judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person, now listen to this, was judged according to what they had done. It goes on to say this, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. It's a spiritual death. You have the first death is a natural death. The second death is a spiritual one. It goes on to say this, anyone, say anyone, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So, but anyone's name or anyone whose name was found in the book of life is in heaven. So when you become born again, you have a rebirth, spiritual rebirth, a born again experience. The Bible says your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. At the end of your life, whenever it comes or should Jesus come and take us all away, everyone, 100% of mankind will stand before God one day and will be judged. First thing that we'll be judged for is our relationship with him. Did we have a spiritual rebirth on the planet? Were we born again or we were just trying to do good things? And if we did have a spiritual rebirth, our name will be found in that book of life. And if your name's found in the book of life, then you get a second question. It's the only test that you want two questions, not just one on, I'm telling you. If it's yes and you have, he's gonna, he's gonna say, what did you do with my son? I received him as Lord and Savior. They're gonna open up another book and in that book is gonna be written everything you've ever done on this planet. And it's gonna, be a direct, it's gonna directly be associated with your reward. And he's gonna ask you this question. He's gonna say, when he opens the book, he's gonna say, what did you do with my son, number one? Okay, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, now what did you do with what I gave you? 
What did you do with your talent? What did you do with your abilities? What did you do with your giftings? What did you do with your skill sets? What did you do with your resources? What did you do with your time? Because those things are gonna be a direct result or how you manage that is gonna directly result in your reward. And it's gonna all be associated with this. What did you do in helping people find spiritual rebirth? Because that's what he's about. You got that, right? That's what he's about. So everything he gives us is supposed to be stewarded or managed in a way that we can help people experience a spiritual rebirth. So when we go to heaven and we say yes to Jesus and they open up that other book, our reward will be a direct result of what we did with our time, energy, resources, talent, touch, whatever you want to say, and helping others come to a spiritual rebirth. If you go there and he says, what did you do with my son? And you say, well, I lived a good life, but I, I didn't really buy into that or believe that thing. You don't get another question. And then everything written in the book that has all your deeds done is for nothing. Didn't matter how good you were. Didn't matter how many nice things you did. If you didn't have Jesus and then you didn't help others find Jesus, you're going to the other place. That's Bible, not me. The most important thing that we do is to help people find a relationship with God through a rebirth experience because of the work of Jesus Christ. And everything we do is about that as a church. People reaching people. The greatness of a church is measured by it's people reaching people. What are we doing helping other people find a spiritual rebirth? Listen, there's a lot of great things we can be doing, a lot of great things that we could be doing, but if it's not associated with helping people find a spiritual rebirth, then we just probably shouldn't be doing that. Or find ways to do things that will help tools and things that will support what we're doing in helping people. But it's important to understand that. Let me say it this way, no one gets into heaven by works. And if your works aren't for helping people find Jesus, then they don't really amount to anything. So that's what we need to be about. Luke 19, 10 says this, as plainly as we can say it, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Simply put, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus, who is church, he's building, this is his church. If he came to seek and save the lost, then doesn't it stand a reason that we are to seek and save the lost and a church seeking and saving the lost, then hell cannot hold out against it. That's what we're to be about. People reaching people. Jesus says you must be born again and so he came to make that happen. We cannot be a people or church that's content for life to be about us. Come on, we cannot be people that wants church to be about us. This is not a church, it's gonna be about us. If you were here when my dad was alive and he's been gone 20 years now, but if you were here when he was alive and many of you were and you heard him preach, you heard him say this quite a bit in fact, my dad would say we're not here to be a bless me club. We're not here for Sunday morning Bible study for the saints. We're here for people to have an encounter with Jesus for a spiritual rebirth. That's why we do what we do. There's other things that will help us grow, but we need to be focused. In fact, let's listen to him. Audio clip number one. As a church body, if we become indifferent to eternal things because we are busy with learning all the things we can learn about the blessings of God. We should do that. The Bible is for that. I mean, the Word is there to learn how to walk in faith and learn how to appropriate our healing and learn how to, uh, to walk in prosperity in every area of our life and learn how to uh, have good, strong marriages. The Word is for that. The Holy Spirit is for that. And, and, and God wants us to walk in those things. 
But if we get indifferent to our first priority and the main thrust of a believer's life and a local church body of not going out after the lost to bring them to Christ and bring them back then where they can learn to experience these wonderful things in Jesus that we're learning, then we are missing the reason for our being left here on the earth. See, what so often happens uh, as believers, we get comfortable with our life, you know, and we're coming to church and we're feeding and we're involved, but we're not going out seeking after the lost. If Jesus is the head of the church, and he is, then we need to be concerned with what he's concerned with. We need to be obedient to the commission that the Father gave him to fulfill, and he passed it on to the church that he's raised up, and that commission is to seek and to save. That's the mission. Seek and save. It's not changed. It's not going to change. It's who we are and who we're, what we're to be about. And take a look at Luke 15 for me. And I want you to go home and read this whole chapter. It's not very long. Luke 15. Luke 15 has three parables in it, stories that Jesus tells to help the religious crowd of that day hear the heart of the Father, because they weren't getting it. And in fact, I love how it begins here in Luke 3, um, I'm sorry, Luke 15, uh, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Now that's so funny. I've said this a, a number of times. It's so funny that tax collectors were looked upon in such a way that sinners didn't even want to be associated with them. Don't group them in with us. They're tax collectors. We wouldn't be known with them. So tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around Jesus, and Jesus was there to teach them. But the Pharisees, or the religious crowd, and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now think about this for a second. Here's Jesus on mission to seek and save the lost, doing what he's supposed to be doing. And then there's the religious crowd griping about him doing what he's supposed to be doing. Are you serious? And so it's like, understand that we need to be a church doing what Jesus is, not a group of people muttering about that. Now listen, and I know it's easy to mutter about things, believe me, I know that. But listen, listen, sometimes because if we're bringing in the lost like we should be and invite them and, and having opportunities for people to come to know Jesus through spiritual rebirth, listen, you may have to sit in a different seat and that's okay, don't mutter about it. If you have to wait in a long check-in line because so many new families are coming, don't mutter about it. If you have to stay in a long line of traffic to get out of here, don't mutter about it. If you have to come earlier than you had to to get the seat you want, that's okay, don't mutter about it. If we're building more buildings and you're asked to give to a building fund, don't mutter about it, just give. Why? Because we're here to seek and save the lost. Don't be a mutterer. Come on. That almost sounded bad. almost sounded like a cuss word or something. Like that. Now you make me feel bad. Don't be that. <laughs> we can't, we have to be very careful that our hearts are locked into the mission of Jesus Christ. We should be inconvenienced. We should wait in long lines of traffic. That means we're doing our job. That means we're getting people in here that don't know Jesus and giving them opportunity for spiritual rebirth because it's the only way. It's the only way to heaven. It's the only way. We need to be about doing that, even to our own convenience. If you look at this chapter, the parables go on, and I won't read them for you because for time's sake, you go home and read them. The first parable talks about the lost sheep where one left the 99 that were safe, that were safe, and went after the one that was lost. You get the picture here. And so he's like, make sure, okay, you're safe, you're good. I'm gonna go after the one that's lost. And when he comes home, it says he calls his friends and neighbors and everybody rejoices. 
We don't say, oh, another one, how many more do we need? 99 was enough, how many more do we need? 2,000 is enough, 2,500, how many more do we need? No, we all celebrate when someone comes to Jesus. We all celebrate the opportunity for people to come to Christ. The next one is the young lady that's getting ready to get married. And back in that day, the culture said when they got ready to get married, the young lady, she would wear a headband around her head and have 10 silver coins. That would say she's getting ready to get married. So when this young lady lost one coin, it was a big deal. It was a big deal to her whole life she'd planned. So she was gonna search for that. Somebody else might say, hey, it's just nine coins, that's okay, no one's gonna count coins on your head, they're not gonna be able to tell, space them out a little bit farther. She tore the house apart, why? To find the one coin, and when she found it, she called her friends and family again, it says, and it says they all celebrated and rejoiced. But you know what it says at the end of each parable? It says heaven rejoiced even greater. The angels rejoiced even greater. Listen, it's not, we're not done. We're not done with this one sheep or one coin. We are on mission to reach people. We never get to the point where we're content. We never get to the point we have enough people or we're, we're inconvenienced, enough is enough, no more. We're here to reach people. In fact, let's listen to our founder. As a local church, we should be concerned with reaching outside of these walls somehow in every way we can to reach the lost in this community in the other communities that we touch and influence and the uttermost parts of the world. To raise people up, to send them out to the other parts as well as support them. That is the mandate of a church. Seeking a lost is a measure, glory to God, of the greatness of the church that Jesus Christ has raised up and that he's in and active in and alive in. I'll guarantee you one reason why churches die and denominations die and grow dry after they've begun in such a wonderful way with the abundance of revelation and the flow of the Holy Ghost, is that they begin to turn inward instead of fulfilling the mandate of God and reaching out to people. We get cushy and we get comfortable. He's saying, go into your neighborhoods. Go see your neighbor. Go see your grocer. Go, go see the guy that, the, uh, that, that you see at the counter when you pump the gas. Go see the fellow at work. Go. Go. But what he's saying, seek, seek, be sensitive to the lost. Be available. Do the word. All we're asking is to do the word. I'm not asking you to do what I'm telling you to do. I'm asking you to do the word. You see for yourself. Now you're responsible for it. We're here to do the word. We're here to seek and save the lost people, reaching people. That's who we are. That's who we've always been, who we will be. But to do the word. I'm thankful for someone doing the word and reaching the Duncan family. I'm thankful for someone doing the word and reaching your family. And there's so many others out there that we need to be looking, seeking and saving the lost. A church should never be content where it's at, no matter how big or how small it is. In fact, you can, this is a good one for you to tweet out right here. It's not the size of the church that pleases God. It's the size of the church's heart and its willingness to do what God has called it to do that pleases him. It's not the size of the church that pleases God. It's the size of the church's heart and its willingness to do what God has called it to do that pleases him. We need to be a church that has the heart of God doing what he's called us to do. We have to go bring them in. That's why we're making such a big deal about fall harvest. That's why you're seeing banners and posters and social media and invite cards. Grab the invite cards. Go to all those places he just mentioned. Pass them out to people. Invite them. Personally invite them in. That's why we have a building on the back you keep hearing us talk about because we need bigger buildings for the harvest because we're maxed out with our kids. We need more room for more people to come, on, come in. We need more people serving. You need to serve because the Bible says to serve. And you need things written in that book one day when you get to heaven. That's a direct result of your serving and doing things. 
In fact, let's listen one last clip from our founder. In other words, if we become concerned because, uh, you know, we're pressing the walls and, and a number of our services and we have to have two services and so on and so forth, say, yep, yep, that's all we need after all. We're full. We're busy here. We, we don't have enough room now for the kids again. We're running out of room for the youth down there and after all, it's going to cost more money to do these other things. Understand something. God is not satisfied with the numbers that are saved in the earth today. He's not satisfied with those that have gone to death, physical death earlier in generations and ages before that have been saved. God is concerned about every human being, about them being saved. God is for quantity. Don't let anybody tell you he's just for quality. I tell you, I shudder. I, I have to bite my tongue when I hear a minister or I hear a church member say, well, we just want quality at our church. And I've been told that by others in this community. We like the way we are. We, want, we have quality here. So you don't have Jesus there. You don't have the heartbeat of Jesus. That's what I'd like to say. One of these days I'll probably do it and have to repent. But it'd feel good for the time moment, wouldn't it? Hallelujah. The Lord is concerned about quantity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 15th verse, He died for all. If He died for all, He wants all into the family. If He died for all, He wants all into heaven. If He died for all, He does not want all or any in hell. Right. And we have that, again, that responsibility. We can't be satisfied because we get one here on a Sunday morning and a couple over there. Reaching and reaching and reaching more. Reaching and reaching and reaching more. We cannot be satisfied. We cannot be content where we're at, church. There's so many people that still need to have a spiritual rebirth. It's the only way you get to heaven. And it's the mission of Jesus. It's the mission of his church then, what we're to be about. And we need to make sure that we're doing the work of the Lord. So many great things have happened already, but we're not done yet. Just want to let you know, year to date, as of this Sunday that in the main services only on Sunday and Wednesday, not counting youth and kids and other things we've done in missions and outreaches, we've seen over 1,000 people give their heart to Jesus, spiritual rebirths. Over 1,000 people come to the Lord in our weekend services and our Wednesday night services to this point. And we're just now gonna hit the fall harvest, come on. And so, but we can't be content. We can't sit back. That's all glory to God, but we can't sit back and say, wow, that's a lot. That's enough. No, no, no. Because as long as there's one coin, one sheep missing, we need to be on mission, reaching, reaching, reaching out. Second Peter 3, 9. As you're turning there and getting ready, that's our last scripture. I want to let you know something. You probably already know this that God and his divine design put Tree of Life right here for a purpose. And I'm not saying this doesn't have anything to do with any other church, but for whatever reason, God put Tree of Life right here. The busiest stretch of highway in the state of Texas. I don't know if you know this, but New Braunfels is the second fastest growing city in the United States of America. And yeah, I've driven around it. I do know that, Pastor. I, didn't, I thought it was number one. I don't know if you know this or not, but Comal County is the ninth fastest growing county in the United States. And we neighbor Hayes County, which is the fourth fastest growing county in the United States. And Seguin and San Marcos barely missed the top 10 or 15 and that and city growth thing. And not to mention where San Antonio is reaching out this way. Do you realize we are right, God's put us right smack in the middle of one of the fastest growing areas in the entire nation for a reason, because we've proven to him that we are people that will be faithful to his commission, faithful to his word, faithful to his mandate. 
and we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We have to. Why? Because to get to heaven, you must be born again. There is no other way. So we have to do what God's asking us to do. We have to. There's so many people that still need Jesus. Second Peter 3, 9 says this in closing. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, and some understand slowness, and said he is patient with you, not wanting anyone, not wanting anyone. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone, every single person to come to repentance. That's God's desire and heart. That needs to be our heart. That needs to be our heartbeat. That's why we exist. It's why we're on the planet. It's why we do what we do as a church. And if God has called you here, then God has called you to that mission. I want to ask you, be on mission with us. Do what God's called us to do. Because understand, understand, the only way to heaven is through a spiritual rebirth. And people need to know that and know that there's a place where they can come experience that. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.